My name is Brian Kinsey, and I'm the pastor of First Pentecostal Church in Pensacola. I'm delighted that you're listening to this message, and I hope it blesses your life. If you'd like to submit a prayer request, or if you're interested in a personal Bible study, you can call us at 850-477-1100, or send us an email at firstpent at firstpent.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Praise the Lord, First Pentecostal Church. I pray that you are doing well. Before we get started tonight, I had a couple of announcements. This Sunday at 11, Pastor Kinsey will be ministering. And at 6 p.m., Reverend Rick Stoops will be preaching. It's going to be a healing service. So turn that on. They will both be online services. And I am going, I am expecting God to do great things. Tonight, I want to turn your attention to Psalms 3 and verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Pay attention to that. His fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth, he shall prosper. Tonight, I want to talk to you about forgiven, forgotten, forever. Forgiven, forgotten, forever. We are to produce fruit. When we have the Holy Ghost, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. It should be our desire to have the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 and 22 through 23 explains what the fruit of the Spirit is. It is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. All of these attributes of the fruit of the Spirit provide some kind of value to the kingdom of God. When you bear love, you are impacting not only yourself, but you are impacting those that are around you. You are making a difference in the lives of others. Matthew 12 and 33 says a tree is known by its fruit. The message in this is the type of tree defines the type of fruit that is produced. A tree that produces apples is an apple tree. The same with an orange tree. Jesus tells us to abide in him. A branch cannot produce fruit by itself. It must be connected to the vine. You have to understand you are known by the fruit you produce. Back to our text, when you delight in the law of the Lord, you produce his fruit in his season. Mark 11 and 13 tells us a story of Jesus and seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if he happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Jesus knew that the fig tree didn't have figs before he ever even got to the tree. 
He knew it was not the season for the tree to produce figs. In fact, by studying it out, it looks as if the tree was still about a month away from being able to produce any kind of fruit. But God operates in his timing. It's not up to you or I when the tree produces fruit, but it's up to him. It's up to his timing, whatever he wants to do in our life in whatever time. Verse 20 goes on to read, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whatsoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall no doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. In this story, I believe that there are three requirements to bear fruit. We've only went through a portion of the story, but the first one I believe we've already hit, and that's that we've got to have faith. Hebrews 11 and 1 tells us, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are visual people. We want evidence. I know that I am a visual learner. I have to see it played out. I cannot just take someone's word for it, but I like to see whatever is about to happen, what, how it works out in the end so that I can line it up in my mind. And many times it's hard for us to believe without seeing, but God wants us to trust him and not rely on our own intellect. If we can see it happen, then we start believing in ourselves rather than in God. God wants our faith to increase. Second Kings 5 tells us the story of Naaman. He was given a plan to be healed of leprosy. It was simple. All he had to do was follow the instructions he was given. Elisha told him, to go and wash in the Jordan River seven times. But Naaman thought he was somebody. Naaman's attitude was, I'm a captain of the host to the king. Elisha didn't even come out and talk to me. He sent a servant to do that. Does he not know who I am? Who is it that gives me such a meaningless task? Sometimes we think we have to have everything lined up before God can move in our lives. We lay it out how it's supposed to operate, and we look to our timing and how we want it done rather than letting God do his thing in our life. Naaman was angry whenever he left Elisha's house. He was going to ignore the instructions. In turn, he was going to ignore the healing. But his messenger spoke up and said, if he would have asked you to do some great thing, wouldn't you have done it? It was because of the messenger that Naaman went home healed that day. The people we surround ourselves with can either talk us into our blessing or talk us out of our blessing. It's important to make sure that you are putting spiritual people in your life. Surround yourself with people that hear from God. Let us increase each other's faith throughout this weekend. Give someone a call in the church. Encourage them. Build up their faith. 
We may not be able to meet and surround ourselves with people right now, but we can give them a call. We can send an encouraging text. Be a faith builder. You need the body of Christ. You need your friends to encourage you and to build faith. The second thing Mark 11 goes on to read that I think that we need is a relationship with Christ. Verse 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what, th- what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Prayer is establishing that relationship with Jesus. Jesus is the greatest friend that any one of us can have. He is the friend that will never leave us, the friend that will always be there for us. Matthew 11 and 29, Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. A friend who can open the blinded eyes, can make the lame walk, can turn water into wine. There is not one disease our friend cannot heal tonight. Jesus is no ordinary friend. We establish this friendship through prayer and reading God's word. With this relationship, there is peace. He gives you hope when you're feeling down, strength when you're feeling weak. This is the most important relationship you can have. And then we get to the third point in Mark 11. We need to forgive. We understand faith. We understand having a prayer life. What is not easy for us to do is to forgive. It makes an important note to us. And when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. We want revenge. We want to get even. My family, growing up, we would play pranks on one another. The person who got pranked would never look to just get even. They were going to take it to the next level. Whatever was done to them was going to go above and beyond that. The kingdom of God is different. Jesus tells us, if someone smites us on our own cheek to turn the other one, God is not looking for revenge or justice. He is looking for forgiveness. When we can't forgive, we fall into a deep, dark pit, a pit of bitterness, anger, and pride. I've had young people who have gotten offended, and the enemy has used it to draw them away from God, their friends, and the church. Some instances, that young person was right, and some, they were wrong. But when we truly learn to forgive, it doesn't matter if we are right or wrong. The path of not learning to forgive ends with our demise and not the person we're offended with. You can, come, you can become displaced and withdrawn from the church because you are offended. But the day you decide to let it go is a day of freedom and a weight being released off of you. You become free. It doesn't matter what the person did. What matters most is that we are right with God. When we learn to forgive, 
our Father who is in heaven, is able to forgive us. He died for our sins. He died for you and I. Sins that should have ended our lives, but instead he paid the ultimate sacrifice. He died for those things we have done or will do that could have cost us our lives, that would have cost us our lives. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Stephen McDonald was an NYPD officer. He entered Central Park on the afternoon of July 12, 1986. He had no reason to expect anything out of the ordinary. There had been a recent string of bicycle thefts and other petty crimes in the area, but nothing major. Him and his partner came across a cluster of suspicious-looking teens. When they recognized the police officers, they cut off and ran. When the officer finally caught up with them, they asked them why they were in the park today. One of the officers noticed something unusual on one of the boy's pant legs. It looked like he had a gun in one of his socks. Stephen bent down to examine it, and while doing so, the taller of the three pointed a gun at his head. Before anything could be done, there was a loud explosion. The muzzle flashed, and a bullet struck him in his right eye. The boy shot a second time, hitting him in the throat. Then as he lay on the ground, he stood over him and shot him a third time. Stephen was rushed to the hospital where the family was called to say their goodbyes. Somehow, someway, the doctors did the impossible and they saved him. The wounds were devastating. The bullet struck his throat and hit his spine. Stephen couldn't move his arms or, or his legs or breathe without a ventilator. He spent the next 18 months in the hospital. He had to learn to live all over again. He would forever be completely dependent on others. His wife was pregnant at the time of the shooting, six months after she gave birth to a baby boy. He makes this statement. To me, Connor's birth was like a message from God that I should live and live differently. And it was clear to me that I had to respond to that message. I prayed that I would be changed. The person I was, I was would be replaced by something new. That prayer was answered with a desire to forgive the young man who shot me. I wanted to free myself of all the negative, destructive emotions that this act of violence had unleashed in me. Anger, bitterness, hatred, and other feelings. I need to free myself of those emotions so that I could love my wife and our child and those around us. There is freedom when you forgive. It's not for the other person, but it's for you. Some people wonder why they're having trouble getting a hold of God. Why can't I feel him? What, why can't I feel him as if he's so far away? Learn to forgive. There is a story of a famous judge whom was viciously attacked. Later, the attacker repented and wrote a letter asking for forgiveness. The esteemed judge, a Christian, responded in handwriting with three words, forgiven, forgotten, forever. The best thing you can do is let go and forgive the people that have done you wrong, never to hold it against them. Forgive your enemies. When you repent of your sins, God forgives you. 
never to hold it against you. Forgiven, forgotten forever. Colossians 3 and 13, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. God paid the ultimate sacrifice so we could be saved. When we ask him to, he will forgive us of our sins. I want us to pray in closing tonight. Ultimately, we want to produce God's fruit in his time. But in, in order to do that, we have to have our own life right. We have to have a repented heart. And that includes forgiving those that maybe we feel like have done us wrong. And so tonight, I want us to pray in closing that God would forgive us and that we would forgive others to help us to forgive those people that maybe who have offended us. Let us bow our heads and let's pray. Lord, I pray tonight that you would forgive me. Lord, correct anything in me that is not right. Help me to have a clean heart, a clean mind, a clean soul, a clean spirit. God, help me to forgive others. Forgive me and let me forgive others. God, if there's someone in my life whom I have deemed as an enemy or someone that has offended me, Lord, I pray that you would help me to forgive that person. Lord, help me to make it right. Help me to maybe call that person and ask for forgiveness. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please reach out to us if you have any questions. We can be found at firstpent.org. That's F-I-R-S-T-P-E-N-T dot org. If you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, we hope you visit us. Be blessed in Jesus' name.